We're going to open the Word of the Lord today. We're going to continue in our series on the book of Acts. And if you uh, would like a headset, we have Spanish translation. Victor is filling in today because of travel. Uh, Belky's not here. So if you would like a headset uh, to be able to listen to the sermon in Spanish, you can get that in the back uh, corner to my left over here. And uh, we'd love to help you out in that area. We're going to read Acts 13 today, 1 through 4. It says this, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. I preached from this passage about a year ago. Today I'm going to preach from it again with a different viewpoint. I'm going to preach today from this thought, When God calls your name, when God calls your name. God bless you. You may be seated. You probably are aware of this, whether you're a man or whether you just know men, that men are notorious for not asking for or following directions. There was a day when I would almost never ask for directions and I would just figure it out on my own. I'd look at the map and then I would just, I would have everything planned out and but I would not ever ask for directions because I found out most of the time people didn't know what to tell me. And now in the day and age in which we live, I, I rely almost exclusively on my GPS and the maps on my phone. And if it's not right or if there's a lag in it, then I often miss a turn or I don't know where I'm going. Anybody there today where, where you just like you just pay attention to your phone and if your phone doesn't work like it's supposed to? And, and what, the thing I hate about it is sometimes... It, it'll be showing this turn that's coming up, and you're watching the little dot, and it's like the dot's down here, and you're supposed to be turning right now. And it's like, that really frustrates me. But men are notorious for not asking for directions. I have a friend of mine. He pastors in Mount Vernon, Ohio. He was actually a student of mine. And he had gotten married and was on his honeymoon and he didn't, this was, this was pre-GPS uh, on your phone and pre-Google Maps and things, and he is directionally challenged. And so while he was supposed to be going to Branson, the Branson area, Eureka Springs, I forget exactly where he was going, from, from St. Louis, or, and he was supposed to be going kind of southwest, he ended up going almost due east and ended up over in Kentucky somewhere before he realized that this was probably not the right direction. He ended up a long ways away because he didn't ask for direction. Directions and plans are somewhat synonymous terms. You have directions or things you're supposed to do or you have plans about what you're supposed to do. And so men don't ask for directions a lot, which means they very seldom want to follow the plans as well. When they build things and they put things together, who needs directions? We're just going to figure this out on our own. Well, David 
King David of Israel, he sometimes had that issue where he would not follow directions. And the Ark of the Covenant had been in the hands of the Philistines for some 20 years. And David decides that it's time for the Ark of the Covenant to come back to the tabernacle. And he is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. But he doesn't follow God's plans and he doesn't follow God's directions. The Bible is explicit. In fact, I I listened to it this morning as part of my Bible reading. Uh, I'm, I'm doing actually the church plan, the New Testament plan, and then I'm doing an Old Testament plan as well. And so I'll go through the entire Bible this year. And I would encourage you to go above and beyond what this just reading the New Testament that we're doing as a church. But so I'm listening to this, and, and God laid out specific instructions for when it's time to move the ark, or when it's time to move the table of showbread, or when it's time to move the altar, that he gave specific instructions about how they're supposed to do it, and the, the color of the material that's to go on the top, and then the goat skin that will go on top of that. And there are certain people that were allowed to take care of the ark and to get it ready for travel, But these people that were getting it ready for travel, they weren't allowed to actually even carry it. A different group of Levites would have to then come in and carry it. But it was a certain way and and that the the furniture of the temple, the tabernacle had rings and there were poles that would go through these rings and the priests would carry them on their shoulder. They weren't allowed to put it on a cart. And that included the Ark of the Covenant. It was not allowed to be placed on a cart. It had to be carried by a certain type of Levite, a certain type of priest. And so David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He's bringing it out of the hands of the Philistines. But he doesn't follow the direction. He doesn't follow the plan. He puts it on a cart that's pulled by oxen. And as it's being pulled... The wagon and the cart that they have it on hits uh, a rough spot in the ground and the ark begins to to rock a little bit on this cart and Uzzah reaches over to stop it from falling off and God strikes him dead. Because he wasn't allowed to touch the ark, but it really wasn't his fault. In one sense, he's just doing, he's trying to take care of it, but it was really David who had not followed God's direction And David, who had not followed God's plan. I would tell you that God has a plan for your life and for mine. He has a plan for every one of us. He has a direction for every one of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That God has plans for all of us to spend an eternity with Him forever. But in that process and between here and eternity, He has plans that He wants you and I to fulfill. He has a calling that He wants you and I to fulfill. God's plans for all of us are the same in in general, and that is that He wants us to come to Him in repentance. He wants us to come to Him in salvation, and He wants to spend eternity with us. But every one of us has a unique and a specific plan and a path that God wants us to follow. So how do we know what God has planned for us? How how can we live out both the general and the specific plan? And I would tell you is this, it's when we hear Him call our name, and when He tells us, He will tell you what it is He wants you to do. 
But you have to listen for and hear His voice. If we look at our text today, it's preceded by a number of things, and I'll just rehearse this for you just a moment. Chapter 8, the Great Samaritan Revival, and I preached from that about the initial evidence of the new birth. And Chapter 9, the conversion of Saul. The message that I preached from chapter 9 was the circle of life. How Saul is saved and then he begins to share the gospel so that others will be saved. That process of that he hasn't called us to be saved on our own, but he's called us to reach out to others with the gospel. And chapter 10, the household of Cornelius has saved the value of one. That God will send the supernatural and God will send a man just to tell one person about him. Chapter 11, the gospel spreading to Antioch. It's the first real beginning of a, a revival to the Gentile nations. And from there, preach the life-changing power of the gospel. Last week, we looked at chapter 12, Peter's miraculous release from prison. Preach the power of a praying church. But today I want to preach about when God calls your name. That when God calls your name, everything in your life can change, everything can be different. And so from our text today, Acts chapter 13, I want to bring out a number of points for you. Some that are kind of preceding our text and some that are in our text. But the first thing I want to bring to your attention is this, God calls us to salvation. That He calls our name because He wants us to be saved. He wants us to know Him. I just referenced that Acts 9, Saul is saved. And in fact, in that particular text, God calls His name and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That Saul had been persecuting the the Christians or the pe- the Jews who were following Jesus Christ, he'd been persecuting them and he was on his way to persecute some others and to imprison them. And in the middle of that, God calls his name and says, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? It was in essence a, his call to salvation and God calls his name. And when God called his name and he, and he tells him, what he needs to do. At the same time, God is speaking to Ananias, and he says to Ananias, I've got great plans for Saul. He is a chosen vessel unto me. Not only do I want him to be saved, but I've got something I want him to do down the road. That with that call to salvation was a call to do more than just be saved. Do you remember when God called your name in salvation? Do you remember where you were when you first decided that you were going to follow Jesus Christ? Do you remember where you were when He filled you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I was just telling this story to a guy. I've been teaching a Bible study to a guy for, man, it's going on two years now. And I recounted to him, 1983, November the 12th, 1983, Saturday night, I was 11 years old. And, and being raised in, in church, and, and specifically being raised in a Pentecostal church, 
you're raised with the understanding and the awareness that, that you need to have this new birth experience, that you need to repent, that you need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidence and speaking in other tongues. So, so you're raised with that knowledge. My dad was a preacher. It was like I wasn't going to get away from that knowledge. I mean, it was common. And so at the age of 9 or 10, I, I would periodically, I would go to the altar after, at the conclusion of service and I would pray and seek the Holy Ghost. Now, and and you, people can get the Holy Ghost at any number. I've seen people as young as four get the Holy Ghost. So it wasn't my age of nine or ten. Anna received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at seven. Anthony, I believe, was ten. So it wasn't that my age, but it was really the fact that I wasn't ready. That I was seeking this experience just because I thought I was supposed to. I knew what the Bible said even at that young age. I knew what the Bible said about the new birth, and so I would seek that experience. But, but on November the 12th, 1983, it was, it was different. The guy was, we were in revival service, and the guy was preaching about the end times. He was preaching that Jesus is soon to come. He could come at any moment. In fact, I remember specifically, and if you're not familiar with end time the terminology and the things of the end time, he, he referenced the red heifers that are needed to offer the sacrifice in the third temple that the Jews are hoping to build. And even back in the early 80s, they were anticipating building this third temple. But in order to offer the first sacrifice, they needed a certain kind of red cow. Specifically, a red heifer is a female cow. They needed a certain kind of cow. And, and on that cow, they couldn't have any blemishes. Not a single black hair. Not a single white hair. They have some... 20 or so right now in the state of Texas that they think fits the bill. So they're, they're, the Jews have been having, the people in Israel have been having people raise these, trying to find the right ones. So whenever they're able to build the temple, they've got the first sacrifice ready to go. 1983, I'm, I'm sitting there at the age of 11, and he's preaching about this, and he's showing pictures of the red heifers, and he's like, man, it's getting ready to happen. And in my 11-year-old mind, I knew that if Jesus came back, I wasn't ready. Because I knew what the Scripture said. And going from times where I would seek the Lord for 30 or 40 minutes, and the people, the adults, are like, man, I wish he'd get done praying. He ain't going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. <laughs> to Anna Lockhart turning around to me, saying, do you want the Holy Ghost? I said yes, and in 30 seconds I was speaking in another language as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was God's call to salvation. What about your call to salvation? When did He call your name? Not only does God call us to salvation, but He calls us to a deeper relationship with Him. After Saul's salvation experience 
in Acts chapter 9, he, he ends up back in his hometown. In the city of Tarsus, he ends up there because the people were not ready for this man who had been persecuting Christians. They weren't ready to have him preaching the gospel. They weren't ready to trust him. They weren't ready to believe that he would not persecute them as well. And so they, he, he, they, they reject him and he goes back to Tarsus and he spends time with Jesus. Some would say it's some 10 or 11 years after Acts 9 before he is gets back into ministry. And, and, and he would recount this in Galatians chapter 1. He said, I, I met with Jesus as one out of due season. It, it was at, it wasn't the right, I wasn't walking around with Jesus when he was here on earth. He said, but Jesus came and he met with me and he told me and he said, the gospel that I have, I didn't get it from men, I got it from Jesus. And so he builds this relationship with Jesus. He builds this intimacy with Jesus. He builds this this deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. There's a song that says, Zion is calling me to a higher place of praise. And that song is illustrative of the fact that Jesus is calling us into a deeper relationship with Him. That He wants us to know Him. He wants to know us, he wants to be in this deep relationship with him. If I could tell you this, that if you have experienced his salvation, that's not the end of the journey. That's not the end of the road, but God is calling us into a close and a deep relationship That when we spend daily time in prayer, when we spend daily time in His Word, and we spend time in praise, and we spend time corporately in worship, and we spend time doing the things of the kingdom, it is bringing us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. I've already told you, I, I was raised in, in and around the church. My dad, a, a preacher, pastor, Experienced the new birth at the age of 11. But I wasn't where I needed to be at the age of 11. I wasn't in some close relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until late teens and around 20 that I really decided to have a close relationship with Jesus. And maybe I should say it this way, that Jesus finally got my attention and he finally called my name and said, hey, come, come and experience a close relationship with me. Working at the post office in Lee Summit, during this particular time, I had prayed for a number of things and that God would give me the fruit of the Spirit and, I, and I've, I've alluded to this or told some of this before. And I had asked God to, to give me the fruit of the Spirit and to, to make me like Him. Then I'd be driving around doing my mail route, squalling like a baby. 
And I said, God, what's the, what's the deal with this? And he's like, well, this is what you asked for. You wanted the fruit of the Spirit. This is how it comes. Through experiencing certain things and experiencing difficulty and experiencing trials and, and still staying close. I remember praying back then. I was like, Lord, let me feel what you feel when it comes to the lost. And the burden that I felt for people that I didn't even know is I'm just driving by their houses. What is all of that? It's about God calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. I alluded to this or even said it maybe in the last couple of weeks, but our first encounter with Jesus should not be our last. But He is calling us to a fresh encounter with Him. And it's not a fresh encounter that should be like yearly or every five years, but he's calling us to a fresh encounter with him on a daily basis as he's calling us to come and be in a deep relationship with him. Got to hurry. The third one takes twice as long as the other ones. <laughs> the third thing is this, God calls us to work for him. This calling to work for Him, or at least our awareness of that, comes after our salvation. I already told you that God said to Ananias that that Saul is a chosen vessel unto me. But He doesn't tell that to Saul. He tells that to Ananias. That Saul's awareness of God's call even though he immediately tries to preach the gospel. It's not, it's not necessarily because God has told him, go and preach the gospel. It's just that he, as zealous as he was against Christianity, he became that zealous for it whenever he is converted. But not only does God's call to, to work for him come after our salvation, but it comes to those who are faithful in working for him. We'd last seen Saul in Acts chapter 11 in Antioch when Barnabas goes, to, goes down to Tarsus and he gets Saul and he brings him back to Antioch to preach and teach and help him to disciple the people that are there. And Saul had been faithfully working in the kingdom in Antioch. For at least a year and a half he has spent preaching and teaching the gospel in Antioch before we get to Acts chapter 13. The Bible says that for by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, uh, not of works lest any man should boast. But then it says we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That God has works that he wants us to do and to participate in. Things he wants us to accomplish in his kingdom. And so we are created to do good works in the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus would say of this, that there are some who are 30-fold and some 60 and some 100-fold Christians about what they produce in the kingdom. And I will tell you that the Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians that our works will be judged. That how effective we are and how much we are involved in the kingdom will be judged. He said it will be fire, will be brought, and if it's consumed up, we'll know if it's wood, hay, or stubble, or if it's gold, silver, or precious stones, that what we do for the kingdom 
is important and our work in the kingdom is important. And as I wrote this down the other day, as I was getting ready for this, my question, the question that came to me is, what is the unemployment rate in the church? And by that, I don't mean, do you have a job at McDonald's or Taco Bell or... But how many of the people who are in the kingdom of God are unemployed because they're not working for the kingdom? They're not involved in the kingdom. There there are statistics out there and and goals that churches try to hit of how many, what percentage of their, their students or adults should be volunteer ministry of some sort and They're hoping for 50%. But the national average is much less than 25% of people that attend a church on a regular basis are actually involved in the kingdom. It's a 75% unemployment rate. But God calls us to work for Him, and that call comes when we've been faithful and smaller things and we've been faithful in doing the little things been faithful in little God will make us rulers over much God's call to work for him comes through relationship it comes through worshiping and fasting and in our text and I'm getting to our text now the Bible says that they were gathered together these These prophets and these renowned men of the church, they are gathered together and they are worshiping and they are fasting. And it is in the middle of their worshiping and in the middle of their fasting, in the middle of them having a relationship with Jesus Christ that the call of God comes. They're not sitting at IHOP. Or Big Biscuit, they're not hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, and I like to eat. But in our text, they are worshiping the Lord and fasting. They're together seeking God. And in those that time of worship and in that time of fasting, the Bible says that then the Holy Spirit speaks. God can speak in the middle of us going about our day, in the middle of us doing just about anything. But when we're building relationship with Him, we're more likely to hear His voice. Then when we are daily spending time with Him, we're more likely to hear His voice when He calls our name. This call to God, it comes by the Spirit. It is not the result of human ingenuity. It is not... The result of human wisdom, it is not the result of a strategic plan, but it's by the Spirit. There are a number of ways that that God can speak. There's a number of ways that God can, can call our name. There are a number of ways that He can get our attention. But our text says that the Holy Spirit said, And it could have been a spiritual impression. I, I, 
I've had God speak to me in what was almost audible. It wasn't audible. Nobody else could hear it. But it was so real that it was almost audible. Where He just speaks to me. And, and I, I would tell you, and almost every time when He would speak to me that way, it's usually not something I wanted to hear. It was something I needed to hear, but not something I was wanting to hear. So it could have been in this case that, that God just gave a spiritual impression that, that they're just praying and they just feel like the Spirit's saying. But I would tell you it's much more likely based on the people who are there and the people who are present that it was one of the gifts of the Spirit that God speaks through. Whether it was a word of prophecy where somebody just says, Thus says the Lord, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. Or whether it's tongues and interpretation I don't know, the text doesn't say, but based on the people, it's most likely that it is one of those gifts of the the Spirit that God uses to say, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And God hasn't ever used the gifts of the Spirit to, to call my name, but He has used it to get my attention. When God calls us to work for Him, there is also the confirmation of the church that they didn't just take what they were hearing and go, all right, we've got a word, let's, let's get on about our business. But the Bible says that after the Spirit spoke, they fasted some more. And they prayed some more. To confirm what it is that God had spoken. To make sure that what they had heard was really what He was intending. And then, these great men of the church of Antioch and from people other areas that had gathered together in Antioch, they laid hands on Saul and Barnabas and sent them out. Now, I'm not telling you today that God's call to us to work for Him has to be in a pulpit ministry setting. It doesn't have to be that He's calling you to to get up here and do what I'm doing and to expound the Word of God. But I would tell you that God is calling all of His people to work for Him. No one who is in the kingdom is exempt from His call to work The question is, do we hear His voice? Are we listening for His name? God calls us to salvation. He calls us to a deeper relationship. He calls us to work for Him. And I've said it already, that first call... God issues is the call to salvation. That God calls us to come into a relationship with Him. So today, if you aren't in a relationship with Jesus Christ, He is calling you into that relationship today. He is calling you to come to Him as Lord and Savior.
question is not, does he call? The question is, will you hear and will you respond? The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that we were lost in sin. With no hope of salvation, no hope of getting to Jesus. No hope of getting back into a right relationship with God. So Jesus Christ comes in the form of a human. Lives a perfect, sinless life. dies the death that we deserved. But He does it in our place so that we can have a relationship with Him. And He says, because of what I did on the cross, you can come. So at the age of 11, He said, Mark, would you come? For Anna, at the age of seven, he's like, Anna, hey, will you come? In 2019, he's saying, hey, Donnie, will you come? First person we baptized at Cross Church. If you haven't come to him today, he's calling your name to salvation. If you have come to Him in salvation, He's calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. He's calling us to get to know Him in a greater way. And He's calling us to work in His kingdom. People say that the most beautiful word in a person's language is their own name. don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is true is this, is that God knows your name, that God wants to save everyone in this room, God wants everyone in this room to be in a deep and abiding relationship with Him, and God wants to use everyone in this room in His kingdom. What is also true is this, is God is calling every name in this room today in one of these areas. It's either to come to Him in salvation or come to Him in a deeper relationship or, or come and work in His kingdom today. The question is not, is He calling? It's will we answer? I'm a preacher and I've been privileged to train people for ministry for 14 years at a Bible college training people for ministry. And during that time, my, my predecessor began to look at the fact that in our organization, and this is true, this is true in any Christian denomination, 
that the age of the preachers was getting older, that the average age continued to climb. And I asked the question one day, or came to this conclusion, that it's not that God is not calling the young to preach. It's they're not being able to hear His voice, that they're not being in a position where they can answer His call. The parents were saying, don't, don't go into ministry, go into something that will make some money. Don't answer his call to do this. How are you going to support your family? Go do something else. You can do it as part-time. You can make it your hobby. I was convinced it wasn't the lack of calling. It was the lack of answering. So today as we stand together, will you answer his call today whether it's salvation or whether it's just a deeper relationship or whether it's to do work in his kingdom will you answer the call you may say but I haven't I haven't heard his call that may be true my admonition to you today is this position yourself to hear and to answer God's call by deepening your relationship with Him through prayer through spending time in His Word through giving, through corporate worship like we're doing today and faithfully involving yourself in any of the work of the kingdom that you can do And while you're in the midst of growing in your relationship and when you're in the midst of being involved in His kingdom, the call to something greater and something bigger will come. Would you make that your prayer today? Lord, we want You to use us for Your glory today. God, we want to hear and answer Your call. God, we want to answer Your call today. We want to answer Your call today, Jesus. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear you, Lord, when you call us to work in your kingdom. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus.